right, Tony Ramos, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for jumping on. No, thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm I'm doing fantastic. Uh, anytime I get to speak with you, I'm I'm excited to to jump into this interview and 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 hear a little bit of your story. Thank you. All right. Well, um, I just want to start a little bit uh, at at the end where you are now at North Carolina. Uh, how's it going so far at, with with that and uh, living in Chapel Hill? It's going really good. Um, you know, when we got here, there were some jumps we had to take, some things we kind of had to change to get the program to where, you know, Coleman wanted it to be. And we all bought into the philosophies and, you know, the things he wanted to do. And now we're in a really good place. You know, mm-hmm. we're looking to finish this upcoming stretch here with Virginia and then Arizona State uh, and hopefully finish out for maybe one of the first times ever, you know, in the top five uh, in the NWCA coaches poll. And then, if we win these two matches here, it's going to be one of the best seasons that UNC wrestling's ever had, you know, since its existence. So we're pretty excited about that. For sure. I mean, since you've gotten there since Coleman and um, kind of like the change of North Carolina's wrestling, like the jump has been so great. And that's we've been seeing that a lot with college programs across the country, too, recently. Uh, it's just really cool to see programs on the rise like like UNC. Um, so what's, what's the plan looking forward? You guys... Are you guys finished with, with the ACC dual season, or do you have one more? We finish up tomorrow night at Virginia, um, and then right. we drive back home Saturday. And Sunday we take on Arizona State to kind of close out the year to get the guys, you know, ready to head into ACC mm-hmm. competition. Um, you know, it's an exciting exciting time right now. We got two weeks, to think, in between to really get the guys prepared and ready to go for ACCs and you know, hopefully walk away with an ACC championship as a team uh, for the first time since I think like 95 for us. So we're excited. Uh, ACC is really good right now. It's really competitive conference and the top four teams, you know, depending who's on their A game that day can walk away with the title. Definitely. I, I'm, I'm excited to um, watch how you guys finish out the season because, I mean, you guys have been performing so well this year um, and, and recently. So, yeah, I'm excited. Your duel with Arizona State, I'm really excited for because obviously Arizona State's been a really good dual team. Uh, I think I think you guys are almost a better dual team than you are a tournament team. You guys are probably pretty underrated in in, uh, in duels. So, obviously, um, North Carolina's starting to turn into a little bit of a powerhouse, and uh, it, it's pretty cool to watch. Yeah, it's exciting for us. Um... I think that the Southeast is getting a lot better in wrestling in the high school, and it's really helping us. Uh, You got states like Georgia, Alabama, you know, some of those non-traditional powerhouses in wrestling that are really starting to turn the corner and produce kids that are coming out having success. Um, So it's really helping us in that aspect of being able to keep those kids close to home and uh, really giving them a great education along with a great experience. Definitely. I think it's so cool um, that wrestling is able to develop in the southeast just just because like the sec used to have wrestling and it's been dropped and and since then the competitiveness in the southeast i'm from tennessee so obviously i experienced that a lot um but it, it, it kind of went down since there was no college programs really in the sec we got chattanooga you guys and now it's starting to grow more like your duel with north carolina state set records and it was just fantastic to see the atmosphere of wrestling fans in north carolina just really cool to witness that for sure yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I had a lot of people who told me that went to the duel that night. They've never heard an arena that loud other than when they were at Carver-Hawkeye. 
and uh, it's pretty true. I mean, I couldn't even hear myself. I couldn't hear the whistles being blown, so I knew it was a fun atmosphere, and it was pretty cool to go in there. But now we got to do the same thing here in Chapel Hill. we got to fill up Carmichael Arena. You know, we got to get the fans to come out, and we're hoping on Sunday that with it being senior night, the last one of the year, they really come out and show their support, and we fill that place up. Definitely. All right, so let's go back to your career. Um, I mean, let's start at the beginning. How did you get introduced to the sport? Uh, where, how, how did that just progress from, from when you started, and when did you start realizing you were good? Let's just start at the beginning. Uh, I started wrestling when I was three. Wow. My mom and my dad got me into it. My whole family wrestled. My dad was a wrestler. My older brother was a wrestler. Uh, my brother was only two years older than me was a wrestler. So it was really kind of something that our just whole family did. And, it, and the reason I got into it at such a young age was, you know, my mom wanted us all on the same team at least for one year. And my brother was in eighth grade, the only time I could start when I was three years old. Uh, so she went to the Lumber Cougar, Cougars, where we, you know, originally started. And that was our first program in Carroll Stream, Illinois. And they said, well, you know, your kid's pretty young. So if you do want to do this, uh, we need someone who's going to coach, you know, like a little kid group. So my dad took that over and, you know, he really started us into the sport, coaching all the little guys and uh, really taught us the basics of wrestling and set our foundation. That's really cool. At three years old, so do you really remember anything much from that? I don't remember much. I know I got pinned a lot. I heard I was always, you know, just going right to my back, smiling and laughing. But I think around, you know, five, six years old is when I really started to get competitive and uh, hated to lose and started throwing those temper tantrums and, you know, crying and everything. And I think that's kind of what drove me a lot is I did not like losing and I did whatever I could to get better. And, you know, about seven, eight years old is when I was getting really good. Um, you know, beating a lot of kids, having a lot of success, having undefeated seasons. And then we started traveling, you know, nationally doing some tournaments. I remember my first national tournament, um, you know, everyone was expecting me to do a lot better than my brother. They were expecting him to go 0-2 and, you know, me to get into, you know, the second day or a placing round. Um, and it was reverse. You know, I went out there, I got my butt whooped. I think I maybe won one match. And my brother goes out there and he freaking is competing, you know, to get on the award stand. So, those competitions between us also drove yeah. us a little bit. Uh, we wanted to always be better than each other, so it was a lot of fun. That's pretty cool to have a <clears throat> just like a like a brother you can compete with and train with too. I'm sure it helps um, that you don't always have to call a friend or or go to a, a full on practice room to to get a good workout. And when you have a brother, that's pretty accessible. But um, yep. so you, you talk about. You, you hated to lose. Um, was that kind of what drove you for a while, or did you have a passion, like, really for the sport of wrestling early on, or was it a little bit more of just you were so competitive that you loved winning and, and something like that? I think it was a little bit of both. Um, you know, I've heard stories about when I was a little kid, I'd be on the side watching my older brother wrestle when he was in high school, and uh, he had a, another good buddy who would always stay with us. His name was Dana Holland. He actually wrestled for Arizona State. You know, he was one of the only guys that ever beat Tion Ware. Mm -hmm. um, and my parents told me that I would watch them wrestle and then they'd go home and they would see me trying the moves that I saw. So I think it was one of those things where I was really passionate about the sport young and wanted to get better. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, I was extremely competitive, whether it was, you know, playing Madden, playing video games, playing in the backyard, um, playing with, you know, little tech deck skateboards and race cars. You know, me and my brother Vince would always get in the fights over who was winning and who was losing. And most of those were started because I was the one fighting about who was winning and who was losing. 
you know, my brother Vince was a little more relaxed, a little more reserved. Um, he was definitely better than me skill-wise. He just didn't have the competitive drive or the work ethic. Yeah, so um, you talked about your parents when you went to, to Tulsa thinking that you were the one that was going to do well. Um, when did it click, like, when you started having success nationally? Uh, I think it was and- – um, I think it was second or third year when we started going to these national tournaments. So the yeah. first one we went to, I think, was Topeka, Kansas one. I don't even mm-hmm. know if that exists anymore. Um, and then we started going to some of the Tulsa tournaments. And I was doing okay, but it it made my wrestling grow to another level because I realized sure, out there there yeah. were kids that were better. Uh, and then I started having some pretty good success. And I, I only won, I think, Reno. I never won Tulsa, any of those ones. I always took second, third. Okay. Uh, I was always in the same brackets with David Taylor, Logan Stever. So we've all been wrestling since we were little kids. And, uh, we, you know, they were really freaking good back then, too. So we were all kind of pushing each other to get better, even at a young age. Did you ever train with them? Because I know they were in Ohio, Illinois. Yeah, so I went to Ohio the uh, Jeff Jordan camps, you know, a couple yeah. times where, you know, we'd roll around train with those guys. So, yeah, I saw them a few times at some of that stuff. It's surprising to me how many guys have gone through that Jeff Jordan camp. Um, like, I bet you could ask, out of the 10 NCAA champions last year, I bet at least eight of them have, have been to the Jeff Jordan. And I'm sure that's true for a lot of the past years. It's just Jeff Jordan is a great coach. Yes, he is. All right. So um, moving on a little bit more to your high school career, um, you had you had a good one. Um, obviously you weren't like the best in the country, a little bit like a David Taylor, um, Logan Stever kind of guy from Ohio, but, uh, it was definitely a solid high school career. Got you to Iowa. Um, what was that like? And, uh, what, what do you remember from your high school career? Um, I think I remember a lot more than a lot of people do. <laughs> so it's, it was really fun going through my high school career. You know, I was three time state champ, four time finalist in Illinois, but some of the other things that I've done that kind of get you know brushed under the table or maybe you forgot about because they weren't such a big deal as they are now is you know I won the cadet trials three years in a row we just didn't have world teams you know beat guys like Rahalis, um beat some of the best guys you know senior year went on and beat Steber to make the junior world team so I had a lot of success going through high school and I think it was maybe overshadowed by some of the other guys or it wasn't as big of a deal as it is now with you know these cadet junior world right. teams um, There's a I lot more coverage had, of the sport at that age now. Yeah, and I wish I would have had that opportunity, you know, going through cadets to wrestle three world championships and then going to juniors and wrestling the world championship that I did. I think it would have helped me, you know, when I got to the senior level because the same guys that I wrestled in the junior world championship were the mm-hmm. exact same guys that I wrestled in the senior world championship. Right. Um, Rahimi was, you know, Rahimi, Raul Ware, those guys were in the finals of Junior Worlds in 2009, same bracket. And Rahimi's winning world titles in 14-15 when I was going through. So it, I think I would have got a lot more feels. I would have kind of excelled faster and quicker. Um, and I think that's really helped, you know, these young kids now today. Definitely. And I feel like um, that's a little bit, yeah, exactly what you said. Um, a little bit what's helping a lot of the kids today is just be – being able to compete at that level uh, and get the um, coaching from Kevin Jackson and Brennan Slay, they're they're covering those teams, and uh, just just the experience that you get to get in Colorado Springs, and then the competition that you get is just amazing. Um, 
So I'm sure that's a big part of it that uh, it's sad they didn't have that when you were competing. But uh, when did you start looking into recruiting? And obviously you ended up at Iowa. What was that recruiting uh, process like? Yeah, I think, you know, sophomore year, I kind of started looking around and knowing I wanted to rest in Division One and have a lot of success. And Iowa was a place I wanted to go to. Oklahoma State was a place I wanted to go to. Um, at that time, I'm going to say Oklahoma State was probably bigger. Uh, yeah. Iowa was kind of not where it used to be back in the day and where it is now. It was kind of in a law year as Lesky was, you know, going through then. Um, Tom was still at Virginia Tech and Oklahoma State had John Smith. You know, I wanted to go to a place that I felt was going to set me up for success the best. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember what year exactly it was when Tom transitioned. It might have been end of my sophomore year, junior year, when he kind of switched over there. Um, but I was, I was pretty excited when that happened because you could see and you could feel the change um, of the program coming back to what it was and what you know. I grew up at a young age, remembering it as and hearing right. what, hearing what it was. Um, so there were really two, two, three places I was looking at. You know, it was Illinois, Iowa, Oklahoma State. Uh, some things didn't work out, Illinois, the way that I thought they were going to happen. You know, I was really close with Carl Perry. Mm -hmm. And once he kind of didn't get that job, it was it really wasn't a second thought for me. Um, and that's when it came down to Oklahoma State and Iowa. And I ended up in Iowa, which is awesome, super excited about. But it was really close for me going to Oklahoma State. Some things happened on the backside there with, uh, you know, they were trying to decide between me and John Morrison, who mm -hmm. they were really get, was going to be their guy that they were going to invest in and put the money in. And, you know, they, they went the route with him. So in my mind, there was only one place left I could go. And it didn't matter money issue. It was more so, you know, what was the best fit for me and what was going to make right. me achieve goals of being World Olympic champion and NCAA titles, which I've always dreamt about. So that's kind of how that process went. It's crazy to think about um, where people's careers could have turned with a decision that, like, you were really close to choosing Oklahoma State and where your career would have gone with that was, oh, would have yeah. been crazy. But I you've kind of ended up back. You've kind of ended that? up back into the Oklahoma State crew. Now you're in North Carolina with Coleman, and you were with Neil Ayersman, and now yep. Kenny Monday's there. So like, you're back with Oklahoma State a little bit. Yeah, just there. last year. Um, now that I'm kind of more around these Oklahoma State guys. I was giving John Smith a hard time. Uh, I told him, if, if you guys would have got me, I think it was 2011 when they lost by a point to Penn State. Uh, oh, really? I was like, if you had my team points, you guys would have won it that year. So oh, I was giving that's him a crazy. little hard time. <laughs> that's funny. Didn't you um, – I've heard stories of you talking about John Smith talking to you at, at like a duel when you dueled him. Um, I think it was an interview you did with Mike Mao. On flaws watching, I can't remember what it was, but he was telling you something to the effect of, um, like, don't get too cocky. There's, you can always lose or something like that. Um, oh, so this was, um, this is when I first started coaching. So when I first started, oh, okay, you first okay. year coaching, and like I said, you started getting around more of the Oklahoma State uh, crew a little bit. They're a very close knit crew, and we were at Fargo. We were sitting down talking with John, and I was like, man, we got a pretty good lineup. You know, it's going to – we might not be great when it's tournament-wise because you got to have, you know, guys who are getting on the BMB have a lot of holes. And he he looked at me and goes, even when you think you don't have holes, you have holes. And then we dueled them the first year, 
the first duel of the year, and they freaking whipped up on us. And I just remember John looking at us, laughing and smiling. And that was kind of one of those things like, hey, I told you so. You got some holes. So it was it was a pretty cool experience. And after That's that, funny. I immediately learned he's right. You know, there's always a hole even when you think you don't have one. That's pretty funny. Um, man, just, just like back to the fact that your career could have gone his way. And, um, I mean, your style – I, I'm not really sure how you wrestled in high school, but when you went to Iowa, it seemed like it just continued to, like, fuel the flames for your style of yep. just grind and just break the guy. And if you went to Oklahoma State, maybe it would have been different. Maybe you would have been a little bit more elbow control slickster, um, and that would have yeah, been weird to think Tony Ramos. I don't know how that would have worked for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not very slick. I'm not I'm not saying I'm not slow or extremely fast, but you know, I had to figure out what tools work for me best and go there. Yeah, that makes sense. Mako Mako ended up doing pretty well at Oklahoma State. He wasn't yeah. the slickest. Um all right, so you started out Iowa when you got there. What was the jump like from uh high school wrestling to college wrestling? I'm sure that's a a tough transition especially into a room like Iowa where you got guys like Dennis and Corey Clark was there when you were there, right? Clark came in after me. So after I came you, in okay. with, like, Metcalf. Metcalf. Metcalf was there, Morningstar, Dennis, uh, Montel Marion. Yeah. You know, that. yeah, so um, you kind of thrown right in. Uh, what was the transition like? What was, the, was that a tough transition for you to make from high school to college? I don't think it really was. I think I was prepared enough with my high school coaches and club coaches with Izzy to be able to understand, you know, what the college life's going to be like and what the mm-hmm. what's expected of you work-wise, you know, effort-wise, all that. So I don't think it was too hard of a transition. Um, you know, I got injured right away my first year, so I was out for a little bit. That was the biggest transition for me was, you know, having to be sidelined for a long time and rehabbing and keeping your mind right. So when you did get a chance to step on the mat, you know, you could go out there and you could compete hard and you could wrestle and, you know, you could still have fun at with it. That makes sense. Um, and I can understand, like, I've, I've heard stories of guys coming into college and, and doing fine. And then some guys were like, they don't get a takedown for three months or something like that. I've just heard a lot of different stories. So I was curious to hear that. Um, so your freshman year, uh, you redshirted that first freshman year, right? Yep, I was out all the way until January. Uh, I got injured first day of official practice. Had an injury that kept me out all the way to, you know, mid-January. Um, and then that's when I came back and wrestled in a few opens. And then uh, when you came back for your uh, redshirt freshman year, when you a- after you redshirted, uh, you had a pretty pretty solid year, uh, yep. 8-0 uh, in the Big Ten. <clears throat> and, um, you know, ended up, not make it to the NCAA tournament and place not on the podium, but um, what was that like? What did you learn in that first in that first year competing? Um, you know, I learned that I could compete with uh, almost anyone. There were guys that I'd beaten that year who were you know third, uh, seventh, whatever place it was, and I was right there in the mix with guys. And I think the biggest the the biggest thing that was said to me after that tournament was Tom Brands came up to me and he said, "Hey, there's." You, know, they're, they're, you made the round of 12, congrats, but there's 40 guys that make the round of 12. You know, do you want to be one of those 40 guys? Do you want to be one of those, you know, seven guys that place, or do you want to be one of the 10 that walk out of here happy? Because at the end of the day, there's only 10 people that walk out of the national tournament 
across the entire field that get what they went there for, get what they want. And that really resonated with me, and it made me go back to work harder and get in the room and you know, really work to be one of those 10 guys. And it took some time. It took a couple years, but I eventually got there. But you know, I think that helped make my jumps for my sophomore, junior year was that kind of mindset of, do I want to be one of the guys who's okay just being an All-American, being in the round of 12, or do I want to be a guy who really went there and did what I said I was going to do or set out to do? For sure. And um, and when you came back, you did uh, pretty much just that. You ended up taking third that year at um, at the NCAA tournament, uh, and and you bounced back pretty quickly. Um, just ran the gauntlet um, for that. I mean, that's those are some tough weights you were in um, back in the day. But um, what what were you able to do? You talked about that. Uh, what coach brands told you what what, mm-hmm. what did it take tangibly for you to have to change uh for you to jump from round of 12 to third place uh just working more focus work working on positions that I was getting beat at um and getting better in the areas where I was getting to you know I was a big single leg guy and if I could finish a single leg from any position and anywhere I got on the mat then it's gonna be hard to beat me you know, uh, my defense was really good. So if I got better at my defense and no one could score on you, you're almost in every match if someone can't take you down. Um, so those were two big things that I worked on. And then, you know, obviously from junior year to through senior year and stuff, the biggest thing I had to keep working on was bottom. Uh, I got beat some of those matches because bottom wasn't, wasn't an issue. It was just, you know, the best guys and the guys that were really freaking good, uh, they, they gave me problems. So I had to figure out how to beat those guys. And did you do any freestyle uh, that summer, or, or did you train with a uh, Hawkeye Wrestling Club at all? So or was I it trained. Just straight folk style? I always trained all summer round. I did not do any freestyle until I graduated. So after my okay. senior years, when I started wrestling freestyle again, you know, I did it all through, uh, you know, my career in high school and everything. But I kind of went on a four-year hiatus right after that redshirt year. Yeah. So. Um... Moving on from that year, you you kept climbing the ladder. Ended up taking second. Was yeah. You took second the next year. Um, what what was that finals match like? Because you had never been to the NCAA finals. Uh, just describe the atmosphere there, and and how well did that prepare you for the next year when you were in that same position and ended up winning? Yeah, I think it was awesome. Um, you know, it it's one of those things where you run out. For me, that I think that year was the first year they started really putting in like the theatrical stuff. And mm-hmm. I remember standing in the back, and there's this smoke screen that said Ramos across it, and it had the Hawkeye in there. And I'm like, man, this is really freaking cool. This is the real deal. Like, we're here. This is the big show, what you've prepared for your whole life. And then just running down that tu- that carpet out of the tunnel, you know, onto the mat, and everyone is there watching one match. Serena mm-hmm. sold out for one match. Um, it was a really cool experience, and I just remember telling myself beforehand, you know, I got nothing to lose. I've lost to this guy five, six, seven times. You know, he's the one that is expected to win. So I went out there, and I wrestled open. I wrestled free, and I feel like that's what actually gave me a chance in that match. You know, I gave up a couple takedowns early because I might have opened up some more, but it also is what allowed me to get to that single leg and, you know, keep my hands locked a few more seconds to almost get that fall. Um, but it was it was a fun experience, which really, you know, I wanted to get back there the next year. It made me hungry to get back there and, you know, come out on top. Right. And and that's exactly what you did uh, when you came back the next year. 
you were able to to finish on top. But you talked about um, you've talked before about how you wrestled really tight in that last NCAA yeah. tournament, which is which is really kind of crazy because the fact that you can not wrestle your best and still end up being the best in the country after three years of of trying seems seems really great really crazy and just shows how good you were that year um but what was it do you think that that messed with your your wrestling for that tournament and why you wrestled so tight i don't know if it was something that really messed with my wrestling i think it was more so of i didn't care what it took to win if mm-hmm. i had to win the close matches i was going to win the close matches if they were one point matches i just didn't want to make the mistakes and um i think that's what it came down to really slow me down that tournament was i was wasn't worried about making the mistakes. I just knew I had one shot left and one chance to do this, and I wasn't going to let anything derail that. And I would go out there and win one-point matches every time if I had to, and that's what happened. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's not really how you probably want to perform or the right way right. to do it. But for me, it got the job done that time. Yeah, it, it sure did work out. And uh, it, it capped off an amazing career for you at Iowa. And uh, just talk a little bit about the wrestling for the Iowa culture, just – in Iowa City, everyone loves wrestling. I've been a few times, um, not many times, but just what I experienced there. The crowd is um, is amazing, and not just the crowd. Like if I'm walking down the streets in Iowa City and I have some kind of wrestling shirt on, people want to talk to me about it. And yes. uh, that atmosphere you don't find very many places in the world. Um, just describe what it's like wrestling for them and, and kind of being a celebrity in, in the state of Iowa and for, in Iowa City. It's really cool. Um, like you said, anytime you're out and about, you're walking around, people know who you are, they talk to you, they uh, understand the sport and kind of understand what you're going through. And I think that comes because there's no professional teams there. So, you know, the Iowa Hawkeyes are like the pro team in Iowa. Um, and it just really elevates you to almost a celebrity status when you walk around. Right. But at the same time, it makes you have to keep a level head and really – you know, understand what type of situation you're getting into because right. with the good things, there's also the bad things. So if you're not doing the right things, you're going to hear about it. If you're making dumb decisions or making a mistake, it's going to be in the paper the next day. So it really makes you have to grow up fast and really, you know, hold yourself accountable for your actions at a young age or an age where you're still considered, you know, a teenager or a young adult. Right. Uh, so. You know, it, it's it's a fun thing, and it's fun to learn how to kind of toe the lines and you know do the right things and you know play up to the crowd and play up to the your atmosphere. Definitely, and I I mean, again, that atmosphere there's got to be crazy. Um, that year it was 2014. Uh, you wrestled and you you immediately jumped into freestyle after that uh, yeah. NCAA championships, and you wrestled at the trials. How much preparation did you get for that? Because I, I, I couldn't imagine you get much training for the NCAAs, and then you have to bounce right back and, and start training freestyle. I actually didn't get a whole lot. Um, you know, every year after season, I always had pretty much a knee surgery just to clean up my knees a little bit. Um, so did that, and then I wasn't planning on wrestling that year. I was getting married. I had a lot of different things going on. I had honeymoon, wedding, you know, uh bridal shower, whatever, all that stuff that goes along with that. So, you know, at first it was just, I was going to take the year off and I kind of was relaxing, hanging out, let my body heal up, recover. Um, and then it kind of hit me like, man, I'm going to wrestle. I'm going to do this. So, you know, I sat down with Terry one day and I think I had about a month to really prepare for it and get ready for, you know, the trials. Right. Um, but for me, wrestling's wrestling. And I tell this pe- people this all the time. 
you know, freestyle, folk style, Greco, it's all going to help each other in some way, some form. Yeah, the rules might be a little bit different. You might have mm-hmm. to change your style a little bit. But I have a style that's not really funky or right, right. also translates very well in a freestyle. Um, in freestyle, for me personally, I think it helps your folk style better because it teaches you positioning more. But I was such a positional wrestler that it was really easy for me to go out there and, you know, just jump into that next level or that freestyle Olympic style of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um... I mean, that's kind of what Spencer Lee talked about when he just won the senior nationals. He kind of just talked about how uh, he trains all folk style and he really didn't get any training in freestyle before that. And it's just wrestling is wrestling and, and he's been doing it his whole life and training freestyle and he has that knowledge in him and those skills. And uh, and it, it, it translates pretty easily. And obviously there are a few positions where you need to practice your gut defense a little bit and, and how to fight off any kind of um, exposure positions and scrambles and stuff. But other than that, it, I don't think it's super necessary that you train so much, especially, like, in my opinion, from watching from the outside, the college season is so much more rigorous and the training is so much harder than maybe an RTC athlete afterwards because you compete maybe once once or twice a month rather than every week you compete once or twice. Um, and then just the the consistent training you have in college I'm sure prepares you a lot better in some ways uh for some people for the uh freestyle scene and and for the international is is that is that accurate yeah I think you know you can look at results and you can even look at it this in this quad and this year the guys coming off the the folk style seasons are having more success they're prepared they're better they're they're more ready to go than these, you know, guys that are just consistently training folks or freestyle full time. And I think, like you said, it has a lot to do with um, competing more, training harder, you know, just being consistently getting better every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a hard thing to do and get motivated, you know, to get up to wrestle every couple months or, you know, a long break here, a long break there, and then get back into training. Um, so I really think it prepares you best going through that, you know, folk style season. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of what I've witnessed for some people, too. Um, I mean, guys like Dayton Fix, he took an Olympic red shirt and seems to think that staying away from that a little bit is going to help him, and uh, and Yanni, guys like that, maybe maybe like it the other way, but um, I've also seen guys like Spencer who, who don't need that, and they stay training in the college season that prepares them better. But uh, anyway, you ended up bouncing back. The next year, you made the, the world team uh, – for the first time in freestyle, it was 2015. Uh, what was that experience like? Because you had made, you said, four world teams age level before that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, they would have had world teams, so they didn't count. Right. But I made the junior worlds, and then 14 and 15 were the two years uh, that I was on the senior team. So it was, I wouldn't say it was really anything different for me. Um, you know, it was just going out and competing in wrestling. The only thing that changed is, you know, after the fact, you're you're traveling all over the world. You're doing all these tournaments. You're wrestling in, you know, Pan Am qualifiers and, you know, Pan Am games. And to, for me personally, I think in the U.S., and I know a lot of people think this and know it, college is the pinnacle of the sport. Um, so you're kind of already prepared for getting to that senior level grind because 
you know, everyone puts so much emphasis on the college wrestling and the college season and the NCAA tournament, you know, not a whole lot changed when it came time to get ready for the senior, you know, world championships, things like that. Right. And that makes a lot of sense too. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's so much similar. The, the training and the mentality, um, is so much similar, but, um, in 2014 and 2015, you made the world teams. You beat 2014, uh, wasn't as deep, but you beat, uh, Megalutis and Hayeswinkle were, yep. were the two guys you beat that year and, uh, ended up going to world's first time, uh, senior level that is. And it was, you went 0-1, you lost to, was it Iran? Uh, that one was Mongolia. Okay, Mongolia. Yep. And then the next, the next year you lost to Iran. Yep, in 15 in Vegas. Okay, okay, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, so, you you hit the Mongolian first round. He ended up taking fifth, you said? Mm-hmm. So, so, pretty tough draw, but uh, first experience. What was the training like? Because I love to hear about the the training that you get at the Olympic Training Center. Uh, Pat Downey talks a lot about it. Just when he got to make make the world team this year, the growth that he made training with all the top guys in the country at the OTC. Mm-hmm. Did you have any of that same effect, or was it was it pretty similar to what you did at Iowa? I don't think so. You know, for me, the I would rather stay home and train. Um, I felt like my training got slowed down when we got to the training center. I know it's different for everyone. Um, and yeah, you have, you know, top of the class, top world opponents and yeah. partners to train with, but I feel like my intensity and everything got slowed down and I would have rather stayed home and, you know, been grinding through it and pushing through it. Like I had, you know, been through college and with my coaches and with my partners and people that are familiar with. So, uh, really, I think it varies for everyone. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And, um, and I was not a bad place to train, so I can all. understand you get you you getting your um your good training in there, and uh, so you ended up making the world team again the next year and beat Olympic gold medalist another Iowa guy Henry Cejudo that year, yeah, um, who's kind of coming back out of retirement. Um, what was that like? Was there any was there any animosity there? No, I don't think so at all. It was fun. You know, that was one of those events, money matches that they kind of put on. And yeah. um, it was it was another good opportunity to go out and kind of, you know, wrestle a guy who had been at the pinnacle of sport and done the things that I wanted to do and really just give you confidence that, yeah, you, you can do that and you can, you know, be one of those guys. Um, and it was, it was a cool environment. You know, it was back in Iowa at uh, in Cedar Rapids, and they kind of set it up in the U.S. Cellular Center. Um, it, it was it was also a guy that Terry had trained and coached a lot, so we were pretty familiar, kind of knew what we were going to do, um, knew the game plan, and, you know, he prepared me very well for it. Yeah, so um, when you were able to move on from that, you went to the World Championships. You hit um, – did you hear – YBR, or did you hit the, the Iranian first match? Iranian. So okay. I, I, well, first round, I wrestled Colombia, and then I think second match might have been Uzbekistan or Kazakhstan. Not really. I don't mm-hmm. remember exactly. And then I had Rahimi, who I had a bunch of battles with already right. you know, that year, previous years. And you wrestled the Yarjin that year, didn't you? Yep. Yep. Um, and what was that like? Was that your first year wrestling there? Uh, I don't remember if that was my first or second time. 
Um, it's it's a pretty cool tournament. You know, tons yeah. of wrestling, a lot of tough competition. Uh, you, it might even be harder than the world championships because you're wrestling the best of the best every single match. Right. Yeah, that would that would uh, definitely a debatable topic there. Whether like, because mm-hmm. you get Russia is so deep, um, you get all of their best guys like from one to ten is is just all of them are so good there, yep. and we're starting to turn into a little bit of that. Like the depth that we have last year at sixty five kg was was crazy, yep. and um, we're we're starting to develop that depth, and it's exciting to see. But anyway. Um, I've heard so many cool stories coming out of the yard. And did you did you dive into the into the lake there? I did not. I've not done any of that. I did walk across the bridge though a couple of times, and it's freezing cold there. I bet. I I'm not one for cold weather. I'm sure you like it <laughs> in North Carolina compared to Iowa. Uh, I do. You know, it's nice. We're supposed to actually get some snow today, so we'll see. Really? That's yeah. That's interesting. Um. So anyway, you made the. 2015 world team wrestled there um solid performance you definitely uh, a lot different than the year before um ended up coming home without a medal but coming back for the olympic year um that that this one has a lot more storylines involved um i mean olympic year always has is just mm-hmm. heightened emotion every every uh time it comes around so you got Dennis back in the mix, um, and then you had Coleman Scott, who you wrestled in the semis, was it? Yep. Um, so what was that, what was training for the Olympics like? Did did you put a lot of emphasis on it, like a lot of guys do, or, like, Olympics is is your biggest run? I don't, I don't, sorry, there you go. Yeah, you're fine. I don't think I, uh, put a huge, crazy emphasis on it, you know, Right. I didn't want to. I didn't want to overhype it into this thing um, that was more than it should be. You know, I wanted to treat it just right. like another tournament, just like an everyday thing, or not an everyday thing, but you know, prepare the same. And that's right. something we're taught as a young, a young competitor, and something where we teach our guys now is. Yes, it's important because it's the next thing, but you need to have your routines. Everything's got to be the same. You need to keep working hard. You don't change what you're doing just because this is, you know, the NCAA championship or the world championship or the Olympic championship. Prepare for it the same. And you should always prepare for every event like it's the best thing because that's what's next. Um, So I don't think a lot really changed for me in that aspect. Um, But I, I, I think I was pretty ready to go. Definitely. And I mean, again, your weight was so stacked and that was, you had been wrestling 61 kilos, right? Yeah, I was going up and down a little bit. Um, I didn't, I don't know if I competed that much that year since I already had, you know, the one seat and stuff locked up. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but when you wrestled there, was, was the weight easy to make? <laughs> uh, I don't know if the weight was ever easy to make. It took a lot of work right. every single time. Um, but you know, you know, I, I did it, and I did it the right way, and which mm-hmm. is which made it easy. Okay, okay. Uh, so it wasn't really much of a problem for you. No. Um, I mean, there there's been some crazy weight stories. Kendall Kendall Cross had uh had some crazy ones when he competed, but um, understand like fifty seven. Uh, you wrestled 
moving forward from there, uh, 2017, 18, 19 too. So, um, yeah. I'm sure it wasn't too big of a change. Um, but ended up losing to, uh, Dan Dennis. Um, was there any animosity in that one involved? Like you keep hitting these Iowa guys at the, uh, at the <laughs> world team trials or Olympic team trials. No, I don't think there really was. I mean, I, Dennis did a lot for me and I like Dennis a lot. And I was, you know, he was a guy that kind of took me under his wing when I got there. And I, it was, it was awesome. Um, coming there, competing together. That was the hard part, you know, I'm sure. Yeah. It, it took a, it, it took a mental toll kind of on you, you know, through the training process. Cause we both kind of knew we were, it was us and we were probably going to wrestle each other and it created a little bit of an awkward environment. Um, but other than that, I don't think like there was tons of animosity towards him or anything at all. Right, right. And that's that's cool to see. I I understand like um, teammates wrestling each other has got to be uh, probably less awkward like in the competition itself. But leading up to it, when you're training, I'm sure Dennis was a big partner of yours like in your college career and stuff. But but then at that point, I'm sure you didn't really train with him much leading up to the Olympic trials. Yeah, not um, really at all. Yeah, yeah, that's got to be the probably the most awkward part is in the training but um you guys have reunited in the south uh he's in in tennessee now and you're in north carolina so um you you beat coleman scott in the semifinals and this is such a cool story thing where Mm -hmm. you beat him in the semifinals and he's driving home and he uh well you let him know at the tournament didn't you that that you were looking for a job i think he's right afterwards so right after yeah, it was the next day we kind of reached out to him and we just told him, hey, we're definitely going to be leaving, and but we want to go somewhere and coach too because I wanted to get into coaching. Um, right. And he met with my brother in Chicago before he flew out, and they kind of sat down and talked and kind of worked out some of the details. And, you know, I took a visit, and I was still looking at a couple other options and places too. And it was it was a hard, you know, decision where we were going to go, but this is where we ended up, and it's been great ever since. What what was that like like for him to? Cause I know, um, it's it takes a lot of, lot of heart to to hire a guy who, who yeah. had just beat you in the Olympic team trial semifinals. Um, what was that like when when he, told you yeah yeah we're interested in, in bringing you out here and uh, did did you feel like, after that I would feel like Coleman Scott has something special and and I'd want to be a part of it definitely after after doing something like that. You know, I think it was pretty easy for him. Um, maybe not at first, but I think he saw that I could bring a unique aspect to the program and a, something that, you know, they not that they were missing or that they didn't have and, you know, a different philosophy and kind but of – just to add, yeah. And I think that's why the program's doing so well is he doesn't have an ego and, he, you know, he didn't hold a grudge that I just beat him. He kind of put that all aside and did what was best for the program and what was best for the future of, you know – of getting them to where his vision was or where, what his goals are. So, you know, that's a cool thing to have. Definitely. Uh, it, it, North Carolina's coaching staff is, is really like no other. You got uh, y- yourself, Jordan Oliver, Coleman Scott, and Kenny Monday's there now. Mm-hmm. Um, just just the stacked. It, like, if you look at um, Penn State, uh, they've got – Kale Sanderson, who was a legend competitor, 
Uh, then you got Casey Cunningham, who's a great coach, but he wasn't he wasn't that great of a competitor uh, or that famous of a competitor that much. Mm-hmm. And um, neither was Cody Sanderson. And and the guys that they have on the staff weren't like legends in in their own competition. But then you look at North Carolina, you got yourself two time. Uh, world team member NCAA champ and you got Jordan Oliver obviously um, that speaks for itself and then Coleman Scott Olympic bronze and Kenny Monday obviously Um, one of the best coaching staffs out there in terms of um, credentials and and their own competitors that's that's pretty cool to be able to unite especially with guys that you've competed against like Jordan Oliver you wrestled so much in your college career and uh, Coleman Scott you wrestled was it was it hard at all, or was it just these guys are going to make me better, and I'm going to make them better, and we're going to make a, a great program here? No, it was easy, and you know we've been through a couple different staff changes kind of since I've been here when I first got here. Right. It was Neil and Bryce, and you know right. we worked really well together, and it was good. And then uh, you know Kenny running the RTC has been good for everyone, and uh, this year we got Gary Wayne Harding, who was one of our athletes now on staff too, who freaking works like a horse. Um, anywhere we need him to go, you know, he's young, he's single and he's all over the place. You know, he's doing a lot that a lot of people don't see and he might not have a huge name, but he works really right. hard for us and for the program. Um, so I imagine the coaching styles that you've developed and, um, and learned from the brands brothers and the coaching staff at Iowa are um, so much different than the coaching styles and coaching staff at, at Okie State. And when you guys come together for UNC, did you guys have to talk about like how you plan to, to mix them and, and make it into a program that you have now? Or was it kind of a thing where you guys just both offer what you can? or like did you, Basically, did you plan that out of how you're going to offer your own skills? Or no, I don't, I don't think we really sat and planned. Um, it was more so of asking each other questions, kind of picking each other's brains, talking yeah. about things, and even still to this day, you know, when we plan practices and when we sit down and plan training phases, it's like, hey, what'd you guys do here? What'd you guys do here? What worked? What didn't? And we kind of took the best things and kind of molded them together, and you know, it's worked out for us really good. I feel like. Um... Your your competitive career, like when you were a competitor, you were the stare down guy, the tough guy, like the I'm gonna break you in the match, and mm-hmm. just really hard nose and gritty. Um, I feel like as a coach, you've kind of transformed from that, and you've picked up a lot of different skills from just watching from afar, um, and you're able to put on a, a different face and and just be a different coach than you were as a competitor. It, is that true? Or are you a little bit? Of that and and p- how much have you picked up from the Brands Brothers on that and and the staff at Iowa? Where does your coaching style come from and, and how has that developed? I think my coaching style is really unique to myself. Um, I think I've taken a little bit of the ways Tom and Terry like had success with me, but I've also, you know, taken things that I've learned along the way, um, how to go about and represent yourself. Um, like you said, it's kind of changed a little bit on the outside of, you know, going in these kids' houses and how I'm going to brand myself and how I'm going to, you know, approach getting these recruits 
and some of the things I might do now are a little different. But when it comes to the competitive side, that doesn't change. I'm still trying to, you know, stare you down and right uh, do, do whatever I can. And that's my that's what comes to my work ethic. You know, on the recruiting trail in the office, you know, none of that changes. Um, but it's more so just the presentation part up front. For sure. Well, Tony, thanks so much for the time. I think that's no a problem. Uh, I can do. I th- I'm sorry I ran a little bit over with you, but uh, no, I, I really do appreciate your time. No problem. Thanks. We'll see you. All right. Sounds good. Right. What is up, HMA wrestling fans? I have something to tell you guys about Tony Rotundo and his company, Wrestlers Are Warriors. Tony Rotundo is an amazing photographer um, who dedicates most of his um, pictures and time to wrestling and growing this wonderful sport. He has dedicated a lot of his time and effort to helping HMA Wrestling grow, and uh, he's he's donated a lot of his um, funds and, and advice for us. So please show the love for us and, and to him, and go check out his website. That is wrestlersarewarriors.com. Please go check that out. Look at his awesome photos and, and maybe buy some. So, uh, yeah, check out Tony Rotundo, wrestlersarewarriors.com. I appreciate it, guys.